Sponsored by Rabbi Shlemi and Mirla Greenwald. This is a sicha from Lukot HaSichas, Chelek Tezayin, Parshas Tetzava, Sicha Aleph. And the topic of the sicha is that in this week's parsha we learned a posuk that speaks about the me'il that the Kayin Gadol wears. And this posuk speaks about the opening at the top of the me'il where the Kayin Gadol puts his head through. It says over there, V'hoya pireisha b'seichai. The top of it should be folded inwards. Safa piv saviv maisa erig. All around there should be a hem, which is done through weaving. Kifisachor yielay. It should be like the opening of a coat of armor. Loyikarea. It should not tear. And we learn the teaching of Rashi on this pasuk. And there are four parts in the sicha. The Rebbe will number one ask three questions on Rashi. Number two present the key to answering these questions. Number three answer the three questions on Rashi, and number four, present the inyanim of flame and halacha, and the yena shaltera in our Rashi. The Pasuk says, by the tzivoy, by the command of a sisas mila eifoid, the command of making the me'il for the kain gadol, so the Pasuk says about the opening where the kain gadol puts his head through at the top, that safa yilapiv saviv, maisa eirig, there should be a hem by that opening all the way around. It should be done through weaving. Kifi sachra yilay, it should be like the opening of a coat of armor. Loi kareya. So Rashi quotes the words loi kareya, and he explains kideisha loi kareya. This is an order that it should not tear. Then Rashi continues and says, And someone who does tear the mi'il transgresses a lav, and avera. And then Rashi continues further with his explanation, as we'll see later in the sicha, but first we'll stop over here and ask a question on this part of Rashi. And as we'll see, there are actually three questions on this Rashi, but there's only one on this first part. So the first of these three questions is, from this that Rashi says, that all of this is done in order that it shouldn't tear. So we see that Rashi learns that when the Pasuk says, it isn't a command for itself. We don't read it as the Torah telling us two things. Number one, you should make this hem. And number two, the Torah is telling us, don't tear it. But from this that Rashi says, so we see that he learns that when it says it isn't a command for itself but rather it's a reason and an explanation for what it says beforehand why why make this hem in order that it shouldn't tear and so there's a difficulty over here if that's the case that Rashi is learning it that is a, comes in continuation to what it says beforehand and it's not an Avera for itself so how does Rashi say in continuation to these very words and with a Vava Meisif like it's one continuation one thing in, connected to the next which means that is a law for itself it seems that there's only one of two ways of reading the Pasuk. Either Loi Kareya comes in, con- in continuation to the, what it says beforehand, and it comes as an explanation for why they make the hem, or it's a command for itself. Don't tear the me'il. And Rashi over here brings both of them in one continuation. And this is especially difficult based on what the Gemara says. In short, what the Gemara says is, there's two opinions. One opinion over there says that someone who tears the big Kuhuna gets Malkus, because it says in the Pasuk, Loi Kareya. The other one then challenges this explanation and says, maybe the Pasuk is not saying in a vera here of loy kareya, a lav, not to tear it, but rather it's giving an explanation for what it says beforehand. Why make the hem? In order that it doesn't tear. And that first opinion then responds, does it say in the Pasuk, if it meant to say 
that it's a reason for what it says beforehand. When it says Le'ikareya, it's the explanation for why they make the hem. It's an order that it shouldn't tear. Then the Pasuk should have said, Shel Le'ikareya. So what do we see from here? That translating Le'ikareya to mean Kedesh Le'ikareya, in order that it shouldn't tear, is a contradiction to saying that it's, a, that it's an Avera for itself. Because that was a challenge. Who said it's an Avera? Maybe it's only saying a reason and explanation. Meaning that if it is saying a reason and an explanation, then it's not an Avera. It's not a Tzivay for itself. So it's one or the other. And that's actually the reason that we indeed find in the Mepharshah Torah two different opinions on how to learn these words. Whether Lo'i Kareya is just a reason for what it says beforehand or whether it's a law for itself. So it's a wonder over here. How does Rashi bring these two opposing explanations in, in one explanation and in continuation to one another. Afterwards, Rashi continues and explains, because this is one of the lavin, one of the total number of lavin in the Torah. And so too, when the Pasuk says that the Cheshen should not move off of the Eifed, that too is a lav. And so too when it says that they should not be removed from it, talking about that's said about the poles in the Oren, that too is from the lavin in the Torah. And on this section in Rashi, there are two questions. So we're up to the second question in the Sikha. So simply when we look at the words, so it seems that they are a proof that Lo has a lav. Rashi is saying, how do we know How do we know that it's a lav? Because it's one of the number of the total number of lavin that there are in the Torah. So it must be saying Lo as a lav. And Rashi is saying this is the proof, even though the Pasuk seems to be saying not that it's a lav, but rather Kedesha Lo that it's an explanation and a reason for what it says beforehand. And that's indeed why Rashi says first Kedesha Lo because that's the simple meaning. But then Rashi continues, continues and says a second meaning. Someone who tears it transgresses a lav. Why are we saying the second thing as well? Because this is one of the lavin in the Torah. So it must be saying over here that it's a lav. Now the difficulty with this is that Rashi is based on Pshut HaShemikra. And so from where does Rashi know in Pshut HaShemikra that it's a lav? What's the proof? Because it's one of the lavin. In Pshut HaShemikra, where do we know that this is a lav? We have to, it has to be based on Pshut HaShemikra, it's a lav, and then we could use it as a proof. But in Pshut HaShemikra, how do we know that this is a lav? And even though the idea that there are a number of mitzvahs is known in Pshut HaShemikra, Rashi already told us that there is a certain number of mitzvahs, but we still have the question, because from where do we know that Lo'yikareya is one of those mitzvahs? And so if we don't know it in Pshut HaShemikra, then it can't be used as a proof. And the third question is, and this is a much greater question, on the end, where Rashi says, When it says, and So this is even more difficult. Mepharshim say that these are examples of where it can mean both a reason and a lav. That when it's saying, it's both a reason for what it says beforehand, and a lav, not to move the chayshin from the eifid. And so too when it says, it's an explanation for what it says beforehand, as well as a lav for itself. And it's not understood. Because in addition to our previous question that how do we know in Pshut HaShemikra that these are lavin, the difficulty is that Rashi doesn't say anything on those psukim. Rashi doesn't tell us on those psukim when it says Yizach and Yasuru that they're both a reason and a lav. And so Mamanavshach, if there's a difficulty in saying that it means two things, and that's why Rashi has to give his whole explanation over here, 
So then say something over there. On those psukim, which were said earlier, Rashi should have said something. He should have told us it's both a reason and a lav. It's both a reason and a lav. And if not, if it's not difficult to say this, and to the extent that Rashi doesn't have to say anything whatsoever, and he takes it simply that we'll learn those psukim, both as a reason and a lav, as a reason and a lav, so then Rashi shouldn't say anything over here either, because it's something which is so simple and obvious that Rashi didn't have to say anything about it over there. So now, regarding the first question, that how can Loi Korea be both a reason and a lav, so Mepharshim answer that according to Pshutish Mikra, when we read the Pusik simply, Loi Korea, and so too when it says Valayizach and Loi Yasuru, it's not a lav, but rather it's a reason. So the simple way of reading the Pusik is make the hem Loi Korea, Kidesha Loi Korea. However, if it only meant a reason, then it should have said, as the Gemara indeed asks. If it's a reason, it should say, and since it says, and not, so we must say that the Torah means to say two things. Number one, the simple meaning, that it's, and number two, since it's written, and not, there must be another teaching in that, and that is, that it's a love. However, the issue is that the third question still remains, which is, if we're going to learn that Le'yikarea and also V'le'yizach and Le'yosuru are both a reason and a lav, and the explanation is, because the simple meaning is that it's a reason, and since it doesn't say She'le'yikarea, and so too She'le'yizach and She'le'yosuru, therefore we learn that it must be saying another thing, which is that it's a lav, so then Rashi should have said that on those psukim which come earlier, on V'le'yizach and Le'yosuru, Rashi should have given the explanation that he gives here. It's She'le'yizach and She'le'yosuru, and also that they are a lav. So that's the difficulty that remains according to this answer. So now we're going to move on to the key to answering these questions. And already in the key, we're going to answer the third question. We're already over here going to understand why it is that even though over here Rashi explains the words Loikarea, nevertheless he doesn't explain anything, he doesn't say anything on the words earlier Vilaizach and Loyosuru. So that already is going to be answered. The part of the third question that won't be answered yet is what are the what is the meaning of these words in Rashi when he says Because as we'll see, the Rebbe learns them differently than the way we explained them beforehand. Now the key in the sikh over here is different than it is in many other sikhs. Over here the key is to understand what's the right way in Pshat of learning this Pasuk. How are we supposed to learn this Pasuk correctly in Pshat without Rashi? And then based on that to understand the first thing that Rashi says as a result of that understanding that we're going to have in Pshat. And once we have, and once we understand that, what's the right way of learning this Pasuk? And the first thing that Rashi says on the Pasuk, then it's going to lead into answering all the questions that we had on Rashi. So the explanation on this is as follows. According to Pshat, we should say that V'loyizach and Loyosuru are not a reason and an explanation. This is different than the Mepharshim. The other Mepharshim said that when we look at these words, we say they're a reason and an explanation. And it's just since it says Yizach and Yasuru and not Yizach and not Yasuru, so we learn that it's also a lav. The Rebbe is saying over here that according to Pshat, we should say that Yizach and Yasuru are not a reason and an explanation, but rather they are a command and a lav for for themselves. Because as we said earlier, if it's a reason, then it should have said Yizach and Yasuru, as the Gemara asks. 
So because of that question, actually the simple way in Pshat is to learn that they are a lot for themselves. And even though it doesn't say and which and mean a command to the person. It's telling the person, but rather it says and which Shalizach and Shalayasuru mean that the Chayshin should not become loose from the Eifid and the Badim should not be removed from the rings. It's not saying a command to the person. Nevertheless, it can still be explained as a command because it's saying that the person should do whatever can be done so that the Chayshin should not become loose from the Eifid and the Badim should not be removed from the rings. When it says, it says in the Pasuk, Yizach, it should not become loose. It's telling the person, do whatever needs to be done so that it shouldn't become loose. They shouldn't be removed. It's telling the person, do whatever needs to be done so that they shouldn't be removed. And like it says right before, by the Aaron, right before, it says, that the badim should, should be in the rings. It's telling the person to do what needs to be done so that they should be in the rings. So even though it's saying, you, they should be, but it's a command to the person, do what needs to be done to the, so that they should be in the rings. So that's the simple way of learning those psukim. And so that answers our third question. How come Rashi doesn't say anything over there? There's no need to say anything. You read the psukim and you understand very simply. There's a, there's a command over here that the person should do whatever needs to be done so that the chayshin shouldn't become loose from the ephod. It says, It's a command. It's telling the person, do whatever needs to be done so that the badim should not be removed from the rings. However, there's a change in our psukim where it says, it doesn't say the equivalent of Vilayizach and Loyasuru is not Loyikareya. It's Loyikara. Now in our Pasuk it says Loyikareya. So if it means the same thing as Vilayizach and Loyasuru, that it's a command, so then there must be something that's being added here. It's not just Loyizach and Loyasuru, which then would be Loyikara. It's a command. But what type of command? A command of Loyikareya. And like Rashi says on Rashi says, what's the added thing of even through others. So if we're going to say as a command, we have to say something's being added by the usage of the word and which is that it shouldn't be done even through others. It shouldn't be ripped even through others, which means then that by and other and all other warnings, Hazaris, by the Mishkan and its Kalim, where it doesn't use the type of Lashon of Yikareya, it doesn't matter if it's done through others. That's how we're going to have to learn it. Here is Layikareya Afilu Ayyidehim, even through others. Over there, it's just Layizach yourself, but through others, it's fine, which that doesn't make any sense in the approach of, of Pshat to say it doesn't matter if it's done through others. So that's how we learn this Pasuk, and that's why Rashi here has to give an explanation. We're looking at this Pasuk, and we have a difficulty. We're going to learn Layikareya that it's a command. And, all, and so that means even through others, and the other ones could be done through others. And therefore Rashi explains that it means the reason for the change in the wording, from instead of saying it says so the reason for the change in the wording here is because it's a reason for what's written beforehand. It's not a command, it's a reason. So that's the correct way of looking, learning the Pasuk, which then brings this question, what does mean? And the explanation of Rashi. Rashi tells us means because otherwise we'll have this difficulty and with this in place we're going to lead into answering the questions the answer to the first question which was how can be both a reason and a love so let's see what Rashi says Rashi says when it says it means however since it doesn't say but rather it says so this proves that there's also a separate command and law for itself, which is that the person shouldn't tear the me'il. 
So the way we understand this Pasuk is when we look at it simply, it should be a lav, but there's a great difficulty with that. Because then it would mean only this one can be done through others. The others could be done through others. That's a very big problem. So Rashi tells us, when it says la it means kadesha la And that's why it says it in a way of yukareya. However, if it meant only that, if that's all the Torah meant to say, it would have said shelo and since it doesn't say Shalai Kareya, so it proves that there's another teaching over here the Pasik is telling us, which is Lai Kareya, there's a lava over here to the person as well. Now we're going to move on to answer the second question. The truth is the second question is already answered. Because the second question was we learned that the words Shazemimin and Lav and Shabatera mean that we have a proof that Lai Kareya is a lav, because it's one of the Lavan in the Torah. So it must be Lai Kareya means a lav. But according to what we're learning now, the way we know that Lai Kareya is a lav is because if it only meant Kadesh Lai Kareya, it would have said Shalai Kareya. Since it doesn't say Shalai Kareya, we learn that it's a lav. So the words Shazami Minyan Lav and Shabbatera is not a proof. So really what needs to be explained now is what is Rashi saying? Rashi should have stopped here. Rashi tells us, and since it says Lai Kareya, not Lai Kara, it means Kadesh Lai Kareya. Then why does it say Lai Kareya, not Shalai Kareya? So he says, because it's telling us also that it's a lav. So what's the next part of Rashi? So when, we, when we're up to this point in Rashi, there's still more that needs to be said. Because however, it's still difficult. Even when we're at this point, we learn that it means And why does it say not Because it's a lav. But there's still a difficulty here. And that is, if the Torah wants to teach a tzivui, the Torah is teaching us a tzivui over here. You can't tear the me'il. Why is the tzivui only hinted to by not writing That's how we're teaching a tzivui. By, by hinting to it and not writing Shalai Kareya, a tzivri has to be written clearly and openly. You can't hint to it, a tzivri. A tzivri is something which is important. It should be written clearly. Therefore, Rashi continues and explains Shazam Eminin Lav and Shabbatera. What is Rashi saying here? He's answering this question. Why isn't the tzivri being written openly? Rashi is explaining that this that Shalai Kareya is also teaching us a lav is not in order to teach us the actual iser that a person may ta- not hear the me'il because that has to be written openly and clearly. It's not teaching us the actual iser because as, as we'll explain, we already know of this iser from another place. But rather, why is it telling it to us over here? It's in order that it should be in the count of the lavin. That it's usr we know, so it doesn't have to be written clearly. So then why is it saying it's a lav? Because it should be in the count of the lavin, meaning that the Pasuk wants, us, wants to calculate the already known iser in the total number of 365 lavin. And therefore, it also has to have the meaning of a lav. And since that's the only reason, therefore, it may, it may also, it may, it may, it may be only, it may, it's okay that it's only hinted to. So in other words, Rashi now is addressing a question. How could you write a lav only through a hint? A lav has to be written openly and clearly. So Rashi says, it's not telling us the lav over here. We know the lav. We know that this is forbidden. It's only being written over here as a lav because it wants to count it as one of the lav. And it's not in order to teach it. It's in order that it should be counted as a lav. Now, what's the source of the actual isu to tear the mill? So this is understood simply from a previous pasuk where it says, Vasisa big It has to be l'chavid ulusifaris. And a torn garment is not l'chavid ulusifaris. However, we can also ask on this. We're still not done. It's not, we're not done. There's still a difficulty over here, which is we find in a number of places where the Torah adds a lav in order to laver all of Bishnei Lavin. The Torah makes two lavin about something, that there should be more severe. And nevertheless, they are all written, they're written, they're written as a clear tzivui, each one of them. If so, here as well, there should be a clear tzivui that a person may not tear the me'il. Because it's only through this that it becomes a lav. 
And like we see when the Torah says even two laven on something, ready you have one lav, it wants to add another one. It says the lav clearly. So even if we already know the iser, but now it's being said as a lav, it should be written clearly also. So Rashi addresses this by writing shezemi minyan lav and shebetero, and not vizemi minyan lav and shebetero. What's Rashi saying? Sheze. This means to say that shezemi minyan lav and shebetero is the very reason why hakere over belav. The only reason a person is over belav is only because it is minyan lav and shebetero. But what do we mean over here? In other words, when the Torah adds lavin, usually it's in order to make the person feel that the iser is very severe, in order to make it easier for the person to hold back from doing the iser. That's the purpose of making many lavin about something. It's to encourage and strengthen the person to, to do the right thing. However, the reason over here that akira over belav, the whole reason is not in order to make the person feel that the iser is severe, but rather it's only because the terror wants to count it, count it in minyan lavin. And it's only as a result of this it's only a result of this that Akira over Balav. So if, when do we write an Isser openly if it's teaching it to us? It's not teaching us here. We already know it. It also should write it openly if it wants to strengthen the Isser. It's not looking to strengthen it here. It's only saying it in order to be able to count it as one of the Lavin. And since the Lav is not taught to make the person feel that the Isser is severe, it's only in order that it should be counted in the Lavin. So therefore, it's enough if it's just hinted to. And this also explains why Rashi changes from the wording in the Gemara. The Gemara says, I'm a kareya big dekuna loike. Rashi says, over belav. Why? Because the goal in the Gemara is to show how, show how severe it is. Again, Malkus. Rashi's goal is to minimize it. It just wants it to be a love. In order that it's a, that, to tell us, as Rashi continues, that it's only in order to count it as a love. So Rashi is not coming here to emphasize that the person who, who, who tears the meal gets Malkus, but rather that it's a love. And as he continues to say, and the only reason. It's even mentioning it is because it wants to count it as a lav, but not in order to make the Avera severe. Now we're going to move on to explain the last part of Rashi, where Rashi says, So up to now we understand Rashi. Rashi tells us, since it says, So it can be a regular tzivoy, because the implication is that other things could be done through others. So rather, it's Kedesh Lo Why doesn't it say Shelo Yikareya? Because because there's also a love. The Torah is also teaching us here that there's a love. Then the question is, why would the Torah teach us a love in such a way that it's only hinted to? And the answer to that is that it's only being taught over here as a love because it's from the minion and Lavin. It's one of the Lavin. It's not that we're learning it over here for the first time. We already know about this Isser. We know that it's not allowed to be done from elsewhere. And it's not even being said to make it a severe Isser. It's only in order to count it as a love. So we understand up to here in Rashi. However, it's still not completely glut. All the questions are answered. But even if all questions are answered, it doesn't mean that it works well. There's no questions on this, but it just doesn't sound right. Which is, why specifically here does the Torah add a lav just in order that it should be counted in the minion lavin? It's a very strange thing. We're saying that it's written and it's only hinted to because the Torah just wants to count it as a lav. It's not looking to make it severe. It just wants to have this in one of the lavin without any anything more to it. It's a very strange thing. It's something out of the ordinary. Why over here specifically do we find this? So therefore Rashi continues and explains, Where in these lavin, there, also there is nothing new in the actual Isser itself. Because we already know that, we'll see in a moment, we already know that these things have to be done. And so we see from here that the Torah wants to add 
in Lavin by the Melechas HaMishkan. How do we know these things already before V'layizach and Lo Yisuru? By the Cheshen it says, V'yirkesu es HaCheshen, B'psilt Cheles, Li'yais al Cheshen V'eifid. And Rashi explains that it means, Li'yais al Cheshen, Dovuk al Cheshen V'eifid. So that the Cheshen should be attached and touching the Cheshen V'eifid. So we already know that the Cheshen has to be touching the Eifid. And so too by the Badei Aron, it says right at the beginning of that Pasuk, we have a clear tzivoy, B'tabaris HaOren, Yiu HaBadim. And therefore, from this that the Torah adds the laven of Vileizach and Lo Yasuru Mimenu, so we have a proof that the Torah wants to add laven by the Mishkan and by the Big Kuna. And so now it's easier to understand that the Torah writes Lo and not Shelo just in order to add in the number, to add a lav that it should be counted as one of the laven. You see, the Torah does this by other things in the Mishkan and the Big Kuna. So now we understand the whole Rashi. Why Rashi says the first thing he says that it's Kedeshaloi Yikareya, and why he adds that it's Alav because it doesn't say Shaloi, and then the rest of it, how he's coming to explain that Alav is being taught over here and written over here in, in a way that it's only hinted to and not clearly. And Rashi addresses all of that in the rest of his, of his teaching where he says Shazam Iminin Lavin and Vichain by the Chayshin and the Arin. And with that, we answered all of the questions. Now we're going to move on to the Inyanim of Floyim in Alocha in this Rashi and the Yenishal Torah in this Rashi. So starting with the Inyanim of Floyim. From the Inyanim of Floyim in Alocha in this Rashi, the Rambam rules that a Kirea Piamil Loika, someone who tears the opening at the top of the meal, gets Malkus Shinemar, for it says in the Pasuk, Loi Kirea, it should not be torn. The same is the Halacha for all of the big big dekuna. Shakiran derechashchosalika that someone that tears them in a way of destruction gets malchus. Now, from the simple understanding of this teaching in the Rambam, it comes out that there's a difference between all the other big dekuna and the meil, because by all the other big dekuna, a person only gets malchus if they do it derechashchosa, like Rashi says, like the Rambam says, shakiran derechashchosa. However, akirea piamilika, no matter how it's done. Now, the Acharein have explained this ruling of the Rambam as follows. The reason one who tears all the other big day kuna gets malkos is because of the lav of loy sasun kein lashem alekeichem. It says in the Pasuk, in Chumash Dvarim, what should be done with the things of Avedazar al-Havdil. And then it concludes, loy sasun kein lashem alekeichem. And so from there we learn uh, the halacha about one who tears all the big, big day kuna that they get malkos. And that lav over there is only if it's done derech hashchasa. Whereas by the Me'il, a person gets Malkus because of the lav of Le'i Kareya. And for that, that lav, a person gets Malkus no matter how it's done. It doesn't say only Derech HaShchosa. Now according to Rashi, that the Pasuk only adds Le'i Kareya in order that she be in the Minyan Lavin, but not to add any Isser. So then it comes out that there, should be, there shouldn't be any difference between the Me'il and all the other Big Dekuna because this Pasuk is not adding anything, anything whatsoever. That's why it's only hinted to. So not only is it not adding in the severity, it's also not adding that that it can't be done in any manner. If the if the starting point is that it's derech hashchasa without this pasuk, this pasuk is not adding anything. So that means the meil is like all the other big dekuna according to Rashi, and a person only gets malchus if they tear it in a way of derech hashchasa. Now we're going to move on to and conclude with the yenushal teira, and we're going to do it in two parts because it's long. From the Yenushal Torah in this teaching, in this teaching of Rashi, in Pnitmisi Nanim, it's not understood why Rashi brings the proof from Valizah Hachayshen, which is an hour parsha, before the proof from Leyasuru by the Aron, which is from the previous parsha. Rashi would seem should first bring 
Loyasuru, which is from Parsha's Truma, and then afterwards Loyizach, which is from our Parsha. And also another difficulty over here is why does Rashi add the word Vichain? Rashi says, Vichain Valoyizachin. Why does he say Vechain twice? You could just say Why does he write the word Vechain a second time? So from this it's understood that the lava of Leyasuru is another Chiddush and a greater Chiddush than the lava of Vlayizach. So the reason Rashi is bringing it in this order is because the the lava of Leyasuru is a bigger Chiddush. So Rashi first says our Pasuk, then it says Vechein Vlayizach, and then even more Leyasuru. And therefore Rashi says it after Vlayizach and says Vechein a second time. Rashi wants to emphasize it's also by the Chayshin, not only in our Pasuk, also by the Chayshin, and even more also by the Oren. By saying also and bringing it second, he's emphasizing that it's a bigger Chiddush, it's a whole separate Chiddush. So you have to say also there. What's the explanation in this? The explanation of this is as follows. The lav of Le'i Korea is not a great Chiddush. Because it's understood that a person is not allowed to ruin the Big Day Kuna. It's a simple idea. You can't tear the Big Day Kuna. So afterwards Rashi says, Also moving the Chayshin from the Eifid, even though, even though nothing is being ruined, is a lav. However, so it's a bigger Chiddush because nothing's being ruined. That, so it's a bigger Chiddush that it's still a lav. However, we can also understand this. Like the Pasuk over there by the Chayshin continues and says, It serves a purpose, so it has to, it can't become loose, it can't be moved from its place. However, the reason of, the reason for seems to be completely not understood. The Badi Aaron were there in order to carry the Aaron from place to place. So why do they always have to be there? To the contrary, simply, on a simple level, they should only be placed in the rings when the Aaron had to be moved, because that's their whole purpose. Therefore, Rashi says, To teach that this too is a lav, and exactly the same type of lav as tearing the Big Day Kuna. Now, what's indeed the reason for this? That the Badi Aaron have to always be there, and it's so severe. So the Chinuch explains, We were commanded not to remove the Badim, the poles from the Aaron, because maybe... We will need to go out with the Aaron to a certain place and I'll have to go quickly. And maybe because of the rush, the, we won't check properly to make sure that they're placed inside well. But when they're there and always prepared, So if they're always prepared and they're never going to be removed, so then they'll be made properly when they're put in initially at the first time. So that's the reason for it. And now we're going to move on to see what we could learn from this. What's the Yenel Shotera in, in, in this Rashi over here, bringing down the order that tearing the Me'il is alive and even moving the Chayshin is alive and even not having the Badim, taking out the Badim from the, by the Oren, from the rings, that too is alive, all on the same level. What's the Yenel Shotera that we could take from here? From here we have a Hayra Nifla, in the Aved of each and every one. The Luchas were in the Aaron, which they are the Indian of Taira. As the Chinuch says, Ha'aron Mishkana Taira. The Aaron is the place of the Taira. Also a Yid who learns Taira is similar to the Aaron, because such a Yid is a Mishkana Taira. So a Yid can think to themselves during the time that's devoted to learning Taira, and especially if by this Yid it's Taira Sayyim Nasay, so during that time they must be totally devoted to learning and they have to be removed from everything around them. 
during those times, what place is there to think about anything else? What place is there to think even about another Yid? And so from here we have a hero from the Badea Arun. Even when the Arun was in the Kaidish HaKadoshim, the holiest place in the world, even then the Badim must be Mukhanim La'ilam. They always have to be prepared in order to be able to bring it B'mihirus quickly to the place it has to go. And even more so, removing the Badim from the rings has the same severity as tearing and ruining the Big Dekuna. And similarly by the Torah. No matter how much a Yid is immersed in learning Torah, a yid must always be ready to bring Torah whenever and wherever it's needed, and specifically in a matter of mihiris to another yid and another yid.